0: Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bowles, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on the SB Nation Network. And tonight, joining me per usual, they're back again. Jude Seymour, Brandon Becca Linden, fellas, happy snow time.
1: Uh, I just wanted to say Josh was wrong. I, I came here to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really have nothing is, else to add to the podcast tonight. Just
0: The Josh. best is hashtag Josh is wrong, but Josh was right. Or <laughs> right, my favorite response is just FYI. Uh, it's great I'm
1: to excited. be with you. It's great to be with you uh, again tonight and obviously with Brendan as well.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to get to uh, the feedback for Josh is Wrong. But more importantly, I'm excited to get to breaking down the impact of Felipe Frank's transfer to Arkansas and what that means for the Razorbacks' visit to South Bend second week of the season. Let's go. Let's do this. Felipe Frank. (laughs)
0: Let's get into it. I want to clarify two small details from last week. Number one, I I saw a lot of comments about the Tommy Reese, and new Rockne thing. You have to keep in mind. There's a huge caveat there. That Tommy Reese actually was hired as the head coach and actually won two national championships. After that, all bets are off. You can say whatever you want, uh, but uh, it was within the scope of. Let me just give out this wholly unreasonable yet fun uh, hypothetical. Uh, also, I like to admonish myself uh, for not. I never brought, mentioned up Frank Leahy, and I am the uh, the blogosphere's biggest Frank Leahy apologist. Um, (laughs) aficionado, maybe I mean, it it, it, of all the things that happened in that last podcast, that's what bothered me the most is that I didn't bring up Frank Leahy in that, honest to God. Um, yeah, and that's it, that's the only (laughs) maybe that's the only thing I'm going to clarify. Other than that, I really don't care. Uh, but there was a lot of responses to our uh to that so thank you, first of all, for making it all the way through absolutely. And I wasn't full of shit. I I'm we're going to do this right off the bat. And if you don't like it, that's your fellow listeners fault because we got quite a few responses, uh, with the response, Josh is wrong going and going through that. So like I said, I'm gonna read them all. So
1: <clears throat> Josh, just, can I just interject for just one second? Um, just to recap, the reason we're going to read these is because if you listen to the end of the hour and 45 minute podcast that we put out, we had sort of like a secret verbal and that and was the phrase Josh was wrong. And, and you promised to read everyone who wrote uh, a comment in Josh was wrong. And we not only got them on our webpage, but we got them in Apple podcast reviews. We got them on Twitter. Uh, we got them on our Facebook page. So uh, you're about to read uh, from several different sources. Yeah. From all of them, uh, all yep. the people that literally stuck with us for, for an hour and 45 last time. So, for you. so thank you to all of those people. Go ahead. Uh,
0: so I haven't uh, dictated in quite a while. So we'll see how we'll, <laughs> we'll actually see how this goes. So we're just we're gonna dive right into it. Um, Josh is wrong. Cold take. Given the uptick in recruiting, I feel that Brian Kelly will leave Notre Dame with one or more New Year six wins. Hot take. And then Tommy will lead us to championship glory. Thank you, Jose Albino 10. Josh is wrong. Best podcast of the year. The conversations kept me going while I conquered the mountain of dish and threw dinner together in the Instapot all while drinking scotch. Hashtag Friday night married nine years. Our 11-2 Irish deserve their final ranking. Not only do they have the 37th ranked strength of schedule, but went 1-2 and two versus their opponents that finished in the Sagarin Top 25. Navy is the only quote-unquote good win. Thank you, Fighting Irish Faithful. Oh, scrolling down here. Josh is wrong. Follow ND today on Instagram. J.K., ball protection with the lack of true running back one along the great O-line returning. I think Tyree has a shot of breaking Josh Adams' freshman freshman rushing record. Thank you, N.D. today. Who has like 11,000 followers on Instagram? I don't know why I need to give him a shout-out. Scrolling down more, Josh is wrong. Josh is wrong. Jude was right. It is absolutely impossible to lose a top 15 national recruiter if Chip Long and the coaching staff – Improve at recruiting. The recruiting prowess of Long and Reese together is greater than just having Reese on his own. It also was the booze talking when I used Tommy Reese's name in the same sense as Newt Rockney and suggested Reese would someday go down as the best player in Notre Dame history. Uh, I guess. Thank you, Maddie Heebs 14. Uh, Josh is wrong. The only way to determine if Josh is truly wrong is to have Josh, aka Uwa, and Jude. <laughs> <laughs> Bless it. Bless it be. And juke and you duke it out. The options for determining the winner are bare knuckle boxing, beer drinking contest, or quarters. The contest. Just,
1: I want to interject for a second. I would lose all three of those. I would easily lose all three of those to you. So I want no. I want no action there.
0: I I determined today I would probably lose at quarters to you. So that might okay. be that might be the way to go because if we both think we're going to lose at quarters,
1: I was going to say that's my that's my best shot. But I still I, don't have a lot of.
0: I can drink and I can fight. Well, I mean, I'm—I'll be drunk fighting. So, anyways, <laughs> moving, moving on this same one. And actually, since you interject,ed I will interject too. Look, Chip Long was a toxic influence on the entire team. That's why he was fired. Uh, my the whole thing, whether by you screwed up my words or not, doesn't matter. It was going to devolve into a bad situation, and that's not good for recruiting. So, whether you want to believe that or not you got fired because you're a total fucking asshole and not for stuff on the field, that's going to get around. Okay. <laughs> so that's where I stand on that. I'm sorry. It, it's not chip long from two years ago or or one year ago, whatever. Stuff's going to get out. Moving on. Uh, this, this is the, I'm sorry. This is the same. This is still the same one. Beer drinking contest or quarters. The contest will take place at 2 PM on the day of the super bowl with Brendan serving as a referee of which every, every contest, the two to, Or, excuse me, separate word here. Referee of whichever contest the two combatants agree upon. In addition, the title of Defender of the Faith will be on the line because swearing in church. Go Irish, beat Navy, and everyone else in 2020. Thank you, Patrick Peterson. Josh is wrong. I loved it. Definitely the best podcast y'all have done. The only thing I don't like is when you guys phrase your statements with, quote unquote, you should, or quote, you should think this way, or you should want. Other than that, I get a big kick out of you guys. Thank you, Russell Knox. That was one source, guys. One source. Knocking him out. Josh is wrong, but Jude was killing my buzz. Also, Josh was not wrong. At least two natties for Coach Reese. Thank you, Stephen Warnick. Uh, Josh is wrong you can't claim that the Reese hire is good it makes the team better until the tight end position is filled at the moment with no replacement for long we're down a good coach and recruiter however Joe Mohead would have been a better hire also Reese would be the number two player coach alumni behind Rockney. no way he passed Leahy Wisconsin should have been ranked ahead of ND because they beat Michigan by 21 points with regards to dropping Navy you're completely wrong first they were the highest ranked team we beat this year second we've never played them in Annapolis I don't know why the fuck that would ever matter so why would you want to drop a game that ND can use as a recruiting tool? What ND should do is turn the Navy game into Shamrock Series game for every home game and rotate the game to further recruiting areas like Orlando, San Diego, New Jersey, Atlanta, et cetera. The neutral site games, in my opinion, pay homage to ND's barnstorming days where they would play anyone. Which I don't, I don't hate that. I can't disagree. I can't agree with 98% of that. That's all falsehoods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian Crawley. All right. (laughs) Moving on. Let's see here. Oh, I lost my place.
2: Let me finish typing mine
1: in real quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I imagine Brendan's is gonna be Josh was wrong, but Jude was also wrong, and that's why I needed to be peacemaker.
0: Oh man. Okay, here we go. Uh Josh is wrong. People do listen to the bitter end. Thank you, Phil, Phil Rister, at ND underscore Phil on Twitter. Uh, here's one from our good friend of the pod, Greg Flamon. Josh is wrong. If your recruiting rankings are so great, then why was our beloved Kyle ranked in the 1000s when he committed another name? Riddle be that. I think I have an answer yeah. for that one. That's at Greg2126 on Twitter. Y'all should follow him. Like, really, you need to go follow him. Um... Josh is wrong. High expectations for this coming year. Thank you, Larry Friedel. Uh, Sorry, I didn't write all these down. You can critique me on that one too. Uh, (laughs) I just, uh, just going back to the the page here, hopefully I'm not missing any. Uh, Josh is wrong. That's it. I have nothing else. From Eric Gwinnett succinct just light it up just put it, put it out there i guess um i think okay so now we can move on from there see i
2: There's, wouldn't be opposed to anytime somebody puts a review in apple reviews for the podcast i wouldn't be opposed to anytime you see a new review on there if you're Obligated like a Wookiee life debt to read it at the end of a podcast. I don't think that I would be opposed
0: to that at all. Yeah, would I think I, 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 that's an excellent idea that I think that, uh, that I was thinking about today. I think we had talked about that before and I didn't want to do that. And I think, but I th- was thinking today about something like that. So, yeah, so be- before I read the Apple podcast uh, reviews that go- coincide with the whole Josh's Run theme, uh, let's just do that. From now on, We ha- we ask you to rate and review. Listen, if you leave, leave a review, whatever your rating is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, beg for a five star. That'd be great if you did. Uh, but whatever review you leave um, from this date forward, uh, which will be the 21st by the time you listen to it, I'm going to read it at the end of the podcast. So Sweet. you got something smart to say? Cool. You got to be a smart ass? Cool. Uh, just rate and review, and we'll, we'll see where we'll go from there. So uh, finishing up this long mess. Uh, Josh is wrong. I don't know where the comment section is. So here you go. Just shout shout me out and tell me how badly we will beat Clemson. Love the show. All right, Brody H10. Uh, there is a website, onefoot.com, that, uh, that the podcast goes up on. Uh, and that's actually the general spot where I was talking. Uh, but we are... I guess you'd call us a community. So we're kind of all over the place. So really, wherever works, this worked just fine. Um, I don't know, beat Clemson by two?
2: 35-31.
0: We beat him by two. I'm going to say we fucking pounded him.
1: Whatever. <laughs> we're in February. <laughs> I, I, have no, I have Notre Dame losing by 22 at home.
0: Of course you do, Jude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Josh is wrong. Fellas, really enjoyed the marathon pod. Happy laughing hard and looking forward to ND football in 2020. Y'all are nuts, and I love it. Keep it up. Oh, dude, click more. Shit. Hey to Mike, John, and friends on the Geneva, New York, Fire Department, who are diehard Irish fans and a bunch of good dudes. Stayed down the hall from these guys in Sacred Heart Parish Center when the ND Club of Memphis was up for a game in 2013 and are still trying to make it back up to a game together one of these days. Y'all are great. Go Irish. Pat from Memphis. Uh, and his n- name, uh, Pat, not Dillingham, uh, which I like that name. I like that.
1: I like that. Geneva, New York. Very cool. Finger Lakes area. So. Yeah. Rochester.
0: So, R- 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 Close to you, Woods. Uh, Josh is wrong, although I do not believe that Josh is wrong, because if Tommy Reese takes us to two titles, he will be the best coach slash player ever.
2: You know, in this day and age, you can make that argument. Don't let him ride any planes.
1: Uh, <laughs> And oh, I am man. slowly too soon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eighty years, making sure soon. that is it. I think we covered our bases there.
1: Nice job, Josh. Awesome, great job, everyone. Great job.
0: Yep. We hey, got thanks for listening,
1: guys. We appreciate it.
0: That wasn't so bad. I was I was worried this was going to go on and on, and I was worried about my uh my dictation there. Not too, not not too shabby. So what are we doing say. tonight,
1: Josh? What are we talking about? What are we
0: giving the people? Yeah. Let's dive it in. We are. We have realized that we had not really done a, a season review ish. Uh, now, mind you, we do one to two podcasts a week and all sorts of good stuff on the site. Um, so there's probably <laughs> we probably have gotten a lot of this out in one shape or form uh, throughout that time. But we never really sat down and said, "Let's let's uh, let's discuss 2019." So I guess we're going to do that tonight. And we're going to do that in our way, which is kind of like uh, all over the map and kind of uh... slapdash. What's dash. that? Slapdash. Yeah. Yeah. So and j- just to give you a little taste about, uh, about how this is going to go, let's start it off with this one. Which player from the 2019 Notre Dame football roster could you drop all your kids off to babysit? And why? What, was, what performance in 2019 shows you that they would be a great babysitter?
1: Who's going first on this one, Josh?
0: Oh, go ahead, Jude.
1: Okay. Uh, this is not a performance from 2019, so I'm already breaking the rules. But in 2018, Coach Mike Elston on Twitter tweeted, What do you do when you can't make the daddy-daughter dance because of Junior Hell Day? Oh, yeah. Call Kurt Heinisch to step in. Thank you, Truck Sauce. And it's literally a picture of Kurt Heinisch with a uh, flower on his, uh, wearing a suit and tie with a flower on his uh, lapel, with uh, three girls who look absolutely excited to be there with a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure how old Kurt was at that point. So, um, you know, yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Kurt Heinisch uh, person. So. Yeah,
0: I, you know, I have too. That's a great answer. That's a, that's a really, I would bet almost all those defensive line guys, the, the way that, uh, that Mike and Beth bring those guys in and all that. Oh yeah. Heinish, Definitely. That's a great answer. Great. I can, answer.
2: I can picture Heinish tossing a kid up on his shoulder. Uh, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the hit movie Commando, he tosses <laughs> his daughter up on the shoulder.
0: I mean, he kind of looks like Schwarzenegger when he goes I have a I mean,
2: cop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have a, like, a heady pick.
0: Maybe a little more gut there. God damn it. We love you, Kurt. Brendan, who, Brett, who mean, you got?
2: We'll save yours for last because I think it's I, I, got, a little, I got a little taste of what, uh, what it might be. Um, but uh, as far as what I'm, I'm picking, I'm going to have to say uh, Tony Jones Jr. Um, he's kind of an old man. Uh, he put the team. <laughs> on his back against USC. And I believe that, uh, you know, he's a workhorse and sort of that not quit attitude. You need that when you have uh, a three and a five year old, like I do, you need somebody who's just going to be willing to, uh, you're going to run into a line. Those kids are going to put up a line and they're going to keep running into you. And you need somebody who's not afraid to just put down a shoulder and get it done. And I think, I think Tony Jones jr. Of anybody on the roster is willing to, to to hit his head against the brick wall that is toddlers,
1: I like it. I, I like it, it too.
0: I like it too. All right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Liam Ichakberg. Dude didn't allow a sack all year. You don't know, talk about protecting your quarterback. And well, yeah. does he does he make the a false start here and there? Yeah, that's because he's willing to put in the work. Like the guy is eager to take care of business, and that's I mean you get. Just look at the fucking size of him. #Hashtag He is Ohio. I so I want that guy watching my kids. I, I don't think there's a whole lot to, <laughs> more to say about that. Hey, here's a here's a guy who's 6'6", 325 pounds. Uh, doesn't let people get past him, and uh, he's twitchy. Yeah, hey, he'll I'll jump that. At,
1: hit- He'll jump at any noise. I think that's a uh, perfect for a guy who's uh, defending your kids.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, here's the thing though: is prior to filming this podcast, I heard your your household, Josh, when a mouse came in it, <laughs> it gets loud, which is a lot like the environment in Georgia. So I don't know, man. I so don't my, know. Yeah, so, my wife which,
0: was uh, my wife was working out just prior to us uh, sitting down and going through the show, and uh, a blood curdling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a mouse that I had still had not seen for the time I was out there. Uh, it was, she was fucking She wasn't not moving off that chair, not moving off that chair.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the main reason I'm glad we have a cat. Um, you know, our cat doesn't do much, but he kills like three mice a year, which is like that. coming get into the house. So I'm I a have, big, uh, I'm a big cat guy.
0: I hadn't saw a mouse in the house in le- at least a couple of years, at least two. Uh, because my wife is ridiculous uh, <laughs> when it comes to that stuff, and you don't hear like I'll hear about this night for the next five years. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, so that that's a big uh, that's a big blow to me. Right, <laughs> what happened there? Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of big blows, uh, let's move on to the next one. let's just, let's just go around the horn, uh, like like we've been doing on that order. There, what was your biggest disappointment of two thousand and nineteen? Outside of ann arbor, I go first again
1: yeah yeah um I think to be honest with you as a as a short uh white guy with uh with s- seemingly no athletic ability and, and I'm not saying chris uh, Fink doesn't have athletic ability because he does he's obviously very quick uh the Except, inability please. to get chris Fink into into the offense more um you know I, I realized that he was battling through some injuries for the f- first half of the season, which caused him to um be a little less visible than than um i expected him to be but pretty much after he got roughed up in the georgia game uh we didn't see him kind of break through again until virginia tech maybe yeah that's right yeah so um i I, that was that was a tremendous disappointment to to me did they survive without him absolutely um, but I just, you know, graduate c- uh, student final year sort of thing, and I was I was looking to see more of him. I'm I'm a big, uh, you know, when, whenever they go around, you know, it seems like every I don't know three to six months, somebody says name the most random college football player you can think of. Uh, my answer to that is always Joey Getherall. Like I idolize like Joey Getherall is a uh, a contemporary of mine. Like we went to school at the, around the same time, uh, and I idolize Joey Getherall because. Um, he was my height and kind of my weight. Um, he was, I mean, he's about what I weigh now and, uh, but he could run like the wind and I, I've never, <laughs> I've never run like the wind. So, uh, yeah. So Chris Fink and his ability to be uh, a big part of the offense, I think was my biggest, biggest disappointment.
0: Okay. That's a good answer. Brendan. what do you
2: got? So I have, I mean, I have a couple of them. I'll leave, I'll leave one for you and sort of in the same vein of Chris. And I think a lot of these are going to go the same. It's kind of unfair. Um, But I think if I had to pick one was the bill of goods and I know it's not his fault because he got injured against Louisville, but we were sold a bill of goods with Jafar Armstrong going into this season. And even after he came back, um, we, it never really materialized. And I know it's not his fault. A core injury is the hardest injury and, seemingly to come back from, right? Because you can come back and play, but you're still not the same. And I felt like the offense was supposed to operate through Jafar Armstrong, and at no point, at any point during this entire season, did we get anything, uh, maybe one of the, the the third touch he had against Louisville uh, where he got injured on, that was the only time we saw anything remotely like um, sort of what we were um being being told that we were going to get with Jafar Armstrong and it's unfair to him but that's the disappointment for me is that we never really got any sort of lightning to tony jones's thunder
0: yeah uh, and just I, I keep hammering us home the the oh my god what the hell are we going to do now vibe about when jo- when jafar went down against louisville uh was real there yeah. was so much banked on this offense about with uh Jafar Armstrong it it yeah yeah we have no idea uh how what his offense was supposed to have looked like uh honestly move this this last season if Jafar would have stayed healthy uh and then moving forward because I think maybe you know I that injury stuck with him even when he came back you know you're you're you know he did not perform at all you have to wonder how much of that was injury uh more than anything else you know more so than his own ability um so yeah, God, that was a huge disappointment right there because of how much, I mean, that was one of the key guys and which leads me to my answer, Julian Aquora, I think you have to say yep. was a, was a yeah. big disappointment. Yep. And b- before I go, before I move forward with Julian, I got to say, none of us said the Georgia game, maybe because it was a great game. It's, I guess you're disappointed that they lost, but they really went down there and fought them in a, in a great environment. And I mean, what does that say about a season where, where, the we're talking about disappointments? I didn't say players, just any disappointment out of, outside of one game. We didn't say any games. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and you, we still finished twelfth. <laughs> that's just a yeah. that's a that's a weird weird thing. But yeah, Julian Aquara. I mean, we were all t- we were talking about breaking Justin Tuck sack records and all sorts of stuff, and it just man, I, you know, Virginia game aside just didn't show up and it wasn't just in the his pass r- rushing it was you know there was no tackles running the ball and i can't remember what game it was but there was a one play in particular and, and I, I wish i would have i didn't note it uh so i wish i would have I known what day but he literally did an Olay to a runner and i damn near passed out i could not understand why he didn't go to tackle the guy like he he Put his arms up up in the air, almost like maybe he thought, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. But it was the strangest thing to me. Like, why, why did he not reach out with his giant wingspan and tackle this dude? It, it made no sense to me. Uh, so, you know, Notre Dame's defensive ends, they get held a lot because they're really good. So you're going to get held a lot. And so some of that's there. There's a lot of holding calls not called. But just his production just was not there. It wasn't anywhere near what we thought. And then he gets hurt, and he's gone. You know, thank God for Notre Dame's death. I mean, can you imagine you know some other years where you lose uh, two defensive ends? I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, just losing one is bad enough on a lot of the, a lot of past years. Uh, but you're losing two. Uh, but yeah, Julian Aquara just the the production was not there. What we had thought, we had really thought he'd be challenging for you know like 14 sacks in a season. Uh, challenging for the the career mark. Um, Justin Tuck stands alone still.
2: Yeah, that that was the one I didn't want to do either because uh, it was, yeah,
0: he, he did get injured, but
1: once
2: again, yeah, it's a, it, was, a it, was, chance it
0: was like for we once he got injured too. You know, like he could have gone on a three, four game run. You don't know. Yeah. He, um, he's he's certainly, know. certainly capable of that, but because of the injury, wasn't able to. It's just that was rough. That was rough. Uh, here, here's a here's a good one, guys. The most impactful player without a stat.
1: Oof. Oh my god.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I got some thoughts. Jude, we'll we'll keep the same rotation. If you got one, if not, I can I can I can take. Care. Um.
1: Yeah, like give me a second to think about this because um I, I don't I don't have a ready made answer. So I'm Brendan. I'm, I'm I'm very curious to hear what you have to say.
2: So I mean, without like, there, everybody's technically got a stat, right? But
1: oh, I think I know. Oh, never mind. Keep going.
2: It's it's MTA, right? The most impactful player. MTA didn't didn't necessarily put up a ton of stats, but he was stepping into the shoes of Jerry Tillery and the two positions that had the most hand ringing and. Consternation going into the season, where the inside linebacker spot in the in you know the the interior of the line, and MTA though it didn't show up in sacks or tackles for loss or even tackles, the impact that he had in games was enormous. Uh, just his presence in the middle there.
1: Okay, so so they got stats, me. dude. <laughs> back to me. Um, I mean, the obvious answer is Manly Award winner John Shannon, right? which oh, yeah. is um, somebody who doesn't get to be on the stat sheet, but he won the Manly Award winner, his Manly Award for the best long snapper of the season, which means he had the best snaps. Now, I came to him actually in a circumvented way because my immediate thought was Jay Bramblett because of, and and I don't know if we can say, was it a bad snap, uh, the extra point versus Virginia Tech that, that Jay handled so well? Oh, it was a bad uh, snap,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, it w- it was John Shannon's only bad snap of the year. But right. it doesn't
2: count cuz uh, which is Bramblitt funny
0: because he's had two bad snaps that I know of in his entire career and they both came against Virginia Tech.
1: So, uh I'm going to go John Shannon although um I you know J- I guess Jay Bramblett had, had stats they were they were not related to uh to to uh you know PATs per se but uh he had he did rack up stats throughout the year so I'm going to go John Shannon.
0: A good call. Okay. I'm going to go with the guy that had zero stats because he appeared in zero games. And that's Kevin Austin. And that is a great answer. That's a great answer. answer. That's a great answer. First of all, Kevin Austin is that he was harder to guard and practice than Chase Claypool. And I think we're all pretty on the same page about Chase Claypool and how good he is. So take a guy of that quality and he's not able to go into any games. And there's times when we're like, God, Notre Dame needs a playmaker. They need somebody to step up and make a play. Pretty sure that's one of those guys, and he wasn't able to get on the field at all, uh, and that made a huge impact, I believe, on, on the season uh, by standing on the sidelines. Let, let me ask you a question because
1: I, I don't know. Um, does Kevin Austin change the result that we saw in either Ann Arbor or in Athens?
0: Athens, yes. Um, I think maybe Athens. Athens. was I, I a bullet. I thought a lot about it. The Michigan game and I and I will. Nobody showed up to that game. I I don't give a fuck if they were the the San Francisco Forty ers Well, they it was if, the same if you, thing. if you show up off if you come off that bus the way they did, and they, they just played like they just it was sloppy, terrible.
2: No, you know, here's why the Michigan game doesn't matter because Michigan ran for three hundred and three yards against Notre Dame. Michigan was the seventy seventh ranked. Rushing offense in college football last year, and they ran for 303 yards against Notre Dame. That's their season high.
0: They averaged, the
2: they averaged 150 yards. They doubled their average rushing yards in the game against Notre Dame. There were there were eight times last year that Michigan wasn't able to run for more than 150 yards. There were eight times that Michigan wasn't able to even run for half the amount of yards that they ran against Clark Lee, and there were four times that they failed to run for 100 yards. So the only stat that matters against Michigan, it doesn't matter who was catching balls for Notre Dame, the only stat that matters is the fact that for whatever reason, Notre Dame couldn't tackle um, Pino, Pino, Cabernet, and, and Haskins. In, in Haskins and even uh, what's uh, what's the other, their white running backs name to let him score a garbage time touchdown.
0: And it, it was even more amazing because of how poor Patterson was actually playing. It mean, wasn't, Pe- wasn't, like, wasn't like he was doing much of anything. It, was, it really ball boiled down to Michigan's run game, it, which was just fucking pulverizing Notre Dame's front. But to Jude's point, I
2: think that that would make the Michigan game more heartbreaking because I think if, Kevin Austin plays in that game. Kevin Austin's worth what? Three points, if you if you think about the impact of a of a potential player, he's an additional what? Two or three first downs, which is a, in a game that you lose by uh, a singular possession. Um, I think that he's the difference, right? I don't know. It,
0: well, it was definitely it was definitely a game that needed the offense. Look, here here's a here's a great way to put it. And a lot of like the matchups, you know, say like Alabama LSU, and you know, like recent years, like defense has dominated that game, right? But now, 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 time it's just like blow for blow offensively. This just have, and sometimes that's just what those games turn into. Like, no matter what you think it is going into the game, it ends up being one of those games where you just got to put up a lot of points, both teams are scoring that night. And Notre Dame just did not put out the offensive, that's why so much. I think that's why more people are down on the offensive performance as opposed to the defensive performance is because Notre Dame's offense was just so inept uh, for most of that game. And I think, you know, you're, you know, an extra playmaker making some plays. You're right. Maybe that does get you a few more first downs. Maybe it keeps a touchdown drive alive. Maybe it, um, it garners you that field goal. It keeps your defense off the field uh, a little bit longer to catch a breath or to, to, to make some adjustments. And, It it can make a difference. I just – it can make a huge – I don't know. I'm not going to say that it's the difference between us, you know, winning or losing that game. There was just so much going on wrong for Notre Dame that whole night uh, that it's you can't say, you know, a wide receiver was going to change the game completely for him, uh, but I think it makes a difference. Uh, So in that case, let's just say he plays and it's a closer game. It's not some stupid-ass blowout like it was. Does Notre Dame finish eighth in the country <laughs> instead of 12, which is a huge difference? You know what I mean? You still lose that game, but let's say you lose by 10 or 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 13 even, yeah. uh, it, it changes the perception completely for what that was. Because I think I mean I think national riders are more forgivable for a road loss uh, of 13 points than the absolute no show that they that they produced. Sure, yeah, fair. I, I don't know what's we're agreeing way too much uh, on stuff tonight. <laughs> we'll pick something so I, I mean, that's. Uh, I, mean, I think maybe green. some of the new. Yeah, we. we I don't even know. I, <laughs> so let let's go. Let's let's do. Let's talk about uh, our baby Kyle. Can you, <laughs> Brendan? to put in the show notes. Uh, Rank the five best Kyle Hamilton plays.
1: Uh, four of them my are. My memory does not. Okay, so the the number one's got to be the the pick six against New Mexico, right?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, there was another one that I remember. It was either third or fourth and one, and he completely just uh, blew, up, blew up. Blew up a play. Was it against Navy? i I'm, yep. my memory's he, he terrible. Did, on this. He did
2: have a blow up play against Navy. I believe he also had a uh,
1: he had a play against Virginia where he blew a guy up. It was like um, it was out, it was out in space. I remember watching it home, so it wasn't the Virginia game, but it was out in space. The guy had like uh, he was running towards the sideline or whatever, and Kyle just came up like a rocket and took him out, and it was great. Yeah, it was early in the Navy game when, and there was also
2: ah, shoot. Um, I want to say maybe the I mean, he was all over the field to to say five is just (laughs) it's very difficult.
1: I mean, I feel like we should phone a friend and call Greg, uh, our friend from uh, UHND, because he probably could date 10 without really breaking a sweat. I think
0: it's supper time right now where he's at. He would probably not appreciate the phone call. No, you're you're probably right. (laughs) I mean, you could just take
2: all four of his interceptions and just put them in there on the four. And then you could do the tackle he had against Navy. That I think was a, a, a stuff for to, to keep Navy from um, right before Notre Dame blew the blew the doors open late in
1: the the, the second quarter. So was the the pick against Virginia Tech late? Was that the one that kind of sealed the? That game? was the that was the game sealer. Yeah, right. That yeah. was a that was a huge play. Uh, I he that. just he had an amazing season. Um, he got named to. I, I think it was Tyler James who tweeted: "Is there a All America freshman list or freshman honor list that Kyle Hamilton didn't get named to?" And the, 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 answer, the answer is no. The answer is yeah. The answer is not that I'm aware of. Uh, <laughs> if there
0: know, is, they're wrong. It, it,
1: <laughs> and so, <laughs> so um, wrong. You know, there's some talk about uh, when to play guys and when to sit guys, and there was a feeling that. Notre Dame wasn't going to go after in previous years. There was a feeling that Notre Dame wasn't going to go after th- what they called three-year guys, right? Guys who weren't going to stay to finish their degree because, you know, it's important to stay and finish your degree. That's you know, graduating champions. You can't do graduating champions without graduating, and you can't do champions without actually winning something. So they they haven't worked on the second half real well, but they've done really well in the first half, um, and you know, in and, and evidence by the fact that some of the guys who did leave early have come back around to try to finish off their degrees to, uh, to varying degrees of success.
0: And at at Notre Dame and at Notre Dame, I mean, three years is a pretty, pretty long time. I mean, they can graduate. A lot of these guys are graduating in that time. I mean, these guys are taking extra classes and I'll I'll have, you know, I, I, I did get some inside information on my trip up to South Bend uh, this weekend. They will not be doing math in summer session for athletes moving forward. Okay. They're changing math. Which I guess was a big problem, and now it's going to be statistics instead. Okay, just, just some info, inside info I have. So, like, that's generally for all your um, all your athletes showing up on campus as freshmen in in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they won't be taking math then. Well, so we're they're, they're, going get, they're going to give them a little more breathing time. I mean, statistics um, is math
1: though, so I'm I'm confused. Oh, what dude, you mean by math. no? It
0: is two different departments. Indeed. Okay. Uh,
1: the
2: good news different. is is that means Jeremiah owusu will graduate in no time because he owns all
1: of
0: the statistics on this team. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done, Brandon. Well done.
0: So I don't know why that, I, I got that or I heard that this weekend and uh, I thought I'm going to use that somehow. That's going to make some sense somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the three years these guys are graduating uh, in a lot of cases. That's why they're getting that uh, that – grad transfer, two years eligibility kind of thing, helping them out. I mean, they're they're close. Three years' time, they're close, especially a guy if they early enroll. Didn't Joe Burrow grad transfer? Didn't he graduate
2: three years? Correct me if I'm wrong, but he got two years at uh, LSU grad transfer, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I think he did the – but I mean they're taking underwater basket weaving at Ohio State and varsity football.
0: Um, Well, I don't believe he stepped foot in a classroom at LSU either. I think all those were online. Yeah, Uh, I could be wrong about that. No, no, you're you're right. I'm not not downplaying it at all. I mean, you you do, especially if it's a if they're grad courses. I mean, you really care. I mean, that's independent study. Trust me when I say Notre Dame's grad, you know, grad students that are playing football, they're not going to classes either. There's a lot of
1: independent study there. What was the name of the Ohio State linebacker that took a class? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I, you
0: didn't have, I, you, I didn't have to hear any more of the question. Well, uh, well,
1: what was the name of the class? Do you remember? Was it? Uh, I always remember as understanding a woman's period, but I, I, I'm sure it was probably something more oh refined boy. than that, right? <laughs> oh boy. No, seriously, it was it was something ridiculous, right?
0: Now I think you can major. in I that mean, he took most, some ridiculous <laughs> classes. <laughs> like but, you know, man. at Big State U, you're going you got plenty of classes to hide in, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, so,
2: so if everybody, if you're looking at the impact players for 2019 and everyone at least has in some capacity, uh, Kyle Hamilton, either directly or indirectly in your top five, who else fits into your top five, as far as impact players for the 2019 season, who, who do you got? Who's our,
0: our, our most, our most impactful players from the last season.
2: Yeah. I mean, Kyle Hamilton, right? Obviously. Um, yeah, I think
0: so. I mean, Ian Booker, either impactly
2: or indi- in-
0: indirectly. I mean, um, Ian Book is definitely one. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, Tony Jones, who is, I tweeted this out. He's never get enough credit, which is bullshit because the guy is an absolute Trojan Slayer. I mean, you have to get you have to put that on Tony Jones for 2018 out in L.A. against SC. Yeah. And then rushing for what 176 yards uh, against SC this year. I mean. Th- that's usually the stuff of, 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 of legend, of celebration. And Irish fans just completely gloss over it, which is a fucking travesty.
2: Uh, not on this podcast. Yeah,
0: not on this podcast. We respect Tony Jones Jr. on this podcast. The
2: Robert Hughes Appreciation
0: Award. Yes. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know <laughs> the guy ran an 84-yard touchdown the last time he touched the ball. Give the guy some credit. Um, but, I mean, so those two, uh, Khalid Kareem. Just an absolute warrior. How about uh, how about Asmar Bilal in the
1: beginning of the season? That, yeah, there was open questions about whether he could get his chin strap. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of
0: names to put on a, There's a, too many about, for a five. I mean, we already Jeremiah scored. Wusukormo led right. a team in absolutely. tackles,
2: tackles for loss, and sacks.
0: He yeah, absolutely, pass
2: breakups and two fumbles, or fumble force fumbles.
0: I mean, I mean Drew White, who was completely looked over once he was injured in the spring. Nobody brought him up until all of a sudden, he sh- and, which is funny because he was listed as the, as the starter at Mike day one in spring. day is the
2: biggest question
0: mark going into the year, would you say, 2019? No, because, no, because how, do you, how do you have a big question, question mark on a guy you don't know about? You know I mean? <laughs> His name's not even being brought up.
2: I mean, That's he tied... Funny. JOK up until the final, uh, until he led the team in tackles until oh, the, the Iowa kid State kid. game. Yeah. And they they tied in tackles. Well, both of them had 80. It's a fantastic season for the kid. Yeah, no, that's a
0: heady pick. I just think this season was a big group effort. I think there was a lot of Did impact. we mention Chase Claypool?
2: We didn't mention the man we, that's had the yeah, most
0: receiving <laughs> yards since Will Fuller in 2015 <laughs> Did and talk touchdowns. Claypool. Nor are we talking about the two guys that we thought were going to lose us a game or two and Jay Bramblett and Jonathan door. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were circled as yeah. Notre Dame's going to lose a game because of special teams, because these were our, this is our punter and kicker.
1: I believe I said that in the beginning before the season. I'll own up to that.
0: You alone. You. I mean, that that was a common theme and it wasn't wrong at the time. It made sense, right? I mean, it made total sense. And then they, they flipped it. Or if you don't have those guys, we probably lose a game or two. I, th- that's how good they were. Uh, so God, man, there was a, it was a good season. I mean, I know the expectation levels and, and I'll never understand anyone younger than me that has some crazy ass notion that Notre Dame should win a national title every year. Um, and that's the only way they're going to judge a season. Uh, I, I'm 41 and so if you're 35 or 36 and you're out there telling that I have no idea what you're basing that off of none you were 35 right and you were you were how old five six years old when Notre Dame won the national title in 88 uh three yeah so (laughs) do you have the expectation that Notre Dame should win a title every season
2: no the only person that has that expectation probably is very intimate with their cousin (laughs) (laughs) oh Sorry to I mean, our friends in Alabama.
0: I there's a difference between the the standard of of playing to win that and absolutely throwing a fit and thinking it's a bad season if you don't. No. Granted, Notre Dame's had some massive disappointments this year. They really could have and should have won that game down in Athens. Um, you got the ball with two minutes left. That's a that's a could have should have woulda game for sure. I mean, it was in your hands. You could have could have done something with it. And then Michigan absolutely shitting yourself and doing nothing after that whole game and getting blown out. That's a big, that's a huge one that's on over. I mean, that one's so bad, it has brought out the Catholic guilt in everybody. Like that, like if people would have ranked us 24th, there's fans that have been like, that's fine, should have beat Michigan, shouldn't get blown out like that. Their Catholic guilt reaches those levels, uh, which is stupid and dumb because it is not how it should it works in college football, only in your sick minds.
1: Um before we go on to the next topic, I just want to clean up something I said just a couple of minutes ago. Andy Katzenmoyer's three summer classes were golf, music, and AIDS. What other every college student should know. Oh, boy. I apologize to, so to all the he watch
2: Rent? Did he watch Rent the Musical and was like,
0: all right, I've done it. All right, boys. Look, he was a general. I can't believe I'm defending Andy Katzenmoyer. Uh, hashtag Ohio. He was a general studies major. That's general studies. It's a college-level course. Well, that's pure I mean, Michigan. I, this is this is like the program. Uh, <laughs> if you're offering it, it's offered, man. That That's a college-level course. You can't... Don't hate the play. I hate the game. You can't, you can't hate him for that. He's taking a, a college-level course. It's not like he's flunking them. Uh, I don't think he got the greatest grades in, in those <laughs> classes, but he wasn't flunking them. Uh, so it is what it is, man. That's, it's not Notre Dame. It's not Yale. It's not Brown. It's not fucking uh well stanford they'll just put you through no matter what so maybe it's a lot like that anyways um <laughs> so all right uh let's see let me just let's uh give me three of your best memories from 2019 and right. we can just we can do one at a time and go around and we got we got some we got some time, which is the uh, yeah. I got some. Problem.
2: I have I have some memories. So absolutely, I think number one with a bullet is Ian Books' touchdown run against Virginia Tech. I mean, we're talking about what was it? Third and seven, twenty nine second or er, twenty nine seconds left uh, under under a minute. If he gets tackled on that play, there is a distinct possibility that Notre Dame doesn't get another snap off. If he gets tackled in bounds. Oh yeah. And just that whole drive had cool stuff, right? It had the fourth and ten, twenty-six yarder to Claypool. It had another fourth down conversion. Um, it just—it was a yeah, that was a that was a fantastic just final drive. And that's what really set the tone for the second half of the season. Was Ian that's Book cool. putting that shh up to the crowd, and then from then on out, it was gangbusters with the team.
0: no um, let me add to let me add to that a little bit, Brendan how important that play was. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if you've heard me say this before, but so um, Philip Goff and I were up in the press box for this game sitting together and it's a little bit, it's, you know, the whole game was nerve wracking. That drive was, um, and you could kind of feel the tension a little bit when Ian took off on that run from all the way down would be on my right hand side, all the way down, which is, The uh, South Bend Tribune, which is like Irish Illustrated guys, um, uh, and people like that, there was a giant, no, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And that's in the press box. I mean, you know how that's supposed to be? It's a mausoleum in there. It shocked the shit. Like, that scream set my stomach sailing down to the bottom. Like, just setting up for it. Like I almost missed the play itself because it was so loud and shrieky that I was going to look to see who the fuck it came from. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but, but, uh, but that's how much was on the line on that play. Yeah. Like you had, so you had press members uh, yelling in the press box about it. That, that to me signals a huge fucking play. Uh, and it was, it was g- giant and everything, it everything it, encompass everything that it stood for uh just, you know the way ian book shifts the crowd i know people don't like it i loved it um you know whatever it is whatever the guy had to do to feel good about what he's doing and for confidence i don't care i don't care i mean, i guess i was gonna say i don't care if he flipped off the crowd but that probably would have caused more issues but me personally i don't think i would have been offended i would have laughed uh but it, it just it was so good and then like <laughs> we already brought up uh the extra point snap <laughs> snap and yeah. And hold, I mean, it was, it was an amazing moment.
2: Uh, the last one I got, and then I'll cede I'll the floor. This, this one, what was the last time, because I watch it pretty regularly, Cole Komet's touchdown against Georgia. Not only is it my favorite play call of the entire year, because if you watch that play call, they line up at a power eye, and then everybody just splits out wide. Tony Jones Jr. is in the back of the end zone, jumping up and down like a little kid. I'm wide open, and Cole Komet just sticks out a paw. And I'm saying to myself, "What are you doing, Cole? You totally redeemed yourself!" As he manages to like catch the ball, because
0: you see Tony Jones back there, and you're like, "Yes!" And hey, Tony Jones' route was so dope. Oh, it was he did, so he dope. Did, he, did, he did like one of those like fake shuffles. Oh my god, it was, that entire it was like, play it was, was, was straight dope. out of Pete. It was like straight out of like peewee football it was so dope it was the annexation of puerto
2: rico it was the most beautiful (laughs) play i've ever seen called by (laughs) chip long it was chip long's finest hour was that play call and it almost blew up because of cole Komet. but then at the very last moment he totally redeemed himself uh and that's i mean he's like
0: scorpion from morocaba get uh, over over (laughs) yes i mean
2: yeah that just oh
1: jude what do you got um so, the one, the one of my favorite ones was uh, the touchdown uh, that Javon McKinley scored in, against New Mexico. I, I know it wasn't a top tier opponent, but this was a really great story uh, this year. Top uh, tier. Coming into to the 2019 season, Javon McKinley had only been targeted one time in a real game, and that was Malik Zaire basically airmailing a throw at the end of a game against Nevada in 2016. Um, he was such a non entity that when he got uh, arrested for underage drinking and from fleeing from uh, his Uber uh, that he was <laughs> so intoxicated from, I think a lot of us just naturally assume that this was the end of, of Javon McKinley's time. This and was the out-end he was and Apparently for writing about him got me blocked by his mom on Twitter, which I think is hilarious. But um, I actually was really rooting for the kid, especially when I heard that he was actually going to uh, come back and play on the team. Um, and so the the deal was it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big play. It was maybe, uh, five, to t- I, I'd have to look it back up, but maybe a five to 10 yard out on the left-hand side. And he literally, uh, broke five tackles on the, on the way to the end zone. Uh, it, it was just, a, it was a, it was a thing of beauty. Um, and he ended up scoring uh, four touchdowns on the year, which was, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, I, I don't, there's now there's talk about him possibly returning for a fifth year. Um, I, I think that's really interesting. Uh, I'll see how that kind of plays out. Um, if Notre Dame feels like they've got a place for him uh, with Kevin Austin coming back and some guys coming in. But uh, I, I think I'll forever remember that, that uh, play against New Mexico. Cause I, th- I think it was just very cool.
0: Jude, he led the team in yards per catch. Listen, he listen to me right now, you guys, this is important. If Javon McKinley comes back next year because that's still not official. Mm -hmm. If he does, he's Notre Dame's leading receiver (laughs) coming back. Yeah, not in not in receptions, but in yards, and he ties Tommy Tremble because he's got two hundred twenty six yards. But he tie and he's tied with Tommy Tremble with four touchdowns. I think I can't remember how many receptions Tremble has, but he has like a he only had like one hundred seventy yards. Sixteen. Yeah, 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 and he had like one hundred seventy yards in reception. Receptions, stuff like that, but he had four touchdowns. So technically, I mean, take two out of three, Johan McKinley's your best wide receiver coming back, your most productive wide receiver coming back, just FYI.
2: Yeah, him and Lindsey both got 11 grabs. Uh, McKinley's got uh, 268, and McKinley leans the team with uh, 24.36 yards per catch, and then Lindsey's got (laughs) 254 at 2309.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, I I really want Javon McKinley back on this team next year. Uh, everyone's looking for that Jonas Gray. Uh, like, who's the next Jonas Gray? Got, you know, kind of a moment. I, I think, I mean, it's easy to say. Right now, It's it really looks like Javon McKinley could be that guy. I mean, we don't know.
2: Jasmar Asmar below.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
1: Brad would be so proud of, to hear you say that. I, so, I just... He's beaming somewhere.
0: <laughs> so a few moments that, that, that I really dug, um, uh, that just going back to that Virginia tech game real quick, it, that fourth down reception of chase Claypool was, was just brilliant. And I'm not, I could just sit here and list all of chase Claypool's, uh, one foot down. I mean, he, he let me keep the brand strong with all his one foot down catches that he had, um, throughout the season. Uh, just, incredible. Um, God bless Canada. Uh, the, the Paul Moala, like interception <laughs> of the option pitch. That's like, that was cool. When you, when Dream you, come when you yeah, when you're playing football and you're practicing against the option or you're playing against the option and you're out there covering, you know, covering that pitch guy in between, that's like the thing you, you daydream about is like being able to pick off that pitch. Uh, and Moala just did it with such ease and then coasted into the end zone. Um, that was really cool because at least it gives them a little bit more hype for next year. I, I honestly think, and this is just opinion. Uh, I honestly think they do move, uh, woo to over to buck and put Moala in at, uh, at, at Rover. And I, I think that performance, just that play alone, uh, will keep some people from freaking out a little bit. Um, uh, Paul Moala can play football. Uh, and that play was lovely. Um, this isn't really a, a great thing, but like that weird madness of fumbles against Louisville sticks out. Yeah, like, it was like three fumbles in a row. Half. Yeah, at the end yeah, of the <laughs> yeah. It was just like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's like <laughs> it's Labor Day. This is Louisville. They're saying the stadium is is uh, is a sellout or is a record for them, and I'm seeing like all these empty seats. It's just, Jafar Armstrong's hurt. It was just a weird night, and then to watch those three fumbles in a row like that uh, was. Uh, really wild. Um, how about same game? Uh, like maybe th-
1: mid third quarter Ian book rolls out under pressure, throws the ball <laughs> away, uh, hits a port, hits a poor, uh, no, the cheerleader team. or pep squad girl,
0: right? No, no, no. You, I, pe- people were all over my ass that I did not recognize. Uh, I think they're called the ladybirds, uh, which are like a, they, their dance team, which is like one of the the best of the NCAA. Uh, so she's, she's part of like a, like a national top five national dance program.
2: That's like a rom-com. That's a rom-com meet cute, right?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, that's, it feels like something that happened in unnecessary roughness or or something like
1: that. I thought thought you were going to do one of these. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, so we don't want to get out of here without mentioning Brayden Lindsay's 51 yarder against USC end around, right?
0: No, before I, I was gonna, I have a few to the list, but I I wanna make damn sure it is known that this podcast respects Tony Jones Jr. That's and you wanna talk about favorite memories? I've seen that big son of a bitch rumble down 84 yards for a touchdown. Nobody thought he was gonna make it t- to that end zone. Nobody. Maybe the announcer did, cause maybe, cause they seem pretty unprepared. Uh, <laughs> but he ended up, he ended up socking that thing in. And uh, that was, I'll never forget that. That was just, that was amazing. That was pretty. That was pretty dope.
2: I'm the last millennial in America that still writes things down on paper. And on my yellow notepad here, that I have written down for best memories, Tony Jones Junior. 84 yarder is there with a bullet. Oh yeah. It's just so
0: damn good.
2: Yeah, it was. And the fact that they were selling that it just failed all leading up to the game. Like book was stretching it, stretching it, stretching it, but he. But he saw that something was there with it, or uh, re saw something was there with it. And then uh, Tony Jones finally broke one through and they overcommitted. And oh, it was so good. I mean, and the, the stiff arm for the last 15 yards of the run just
1: was it the, the, the How about the bomb to uh, Lindsey against Navy?
2: Oh, yeah.
1: It yeah, was well, uh, talk it about 46, no arm. 46 through the young. air and 70 total. Yeah.
0: When people talk about no arm, that proved it wrong? Yep. Because sure that thing was gorgeous.
1: Yeah. Was uh so, so pretty.
0: that I mean that looked like a Jimmy Clausen pass. I was going to say thing. That's exactly what it looked like. That I mean Braden Lindsey transformed into into uh, Golden Tate on that play and it was Jimmy Clausen's arm. I, it, he just dropped it down so tight. It was it was like, "Hey, so this is in the Arsenal." <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that, I think that was the thing you remember that I'm going into spring. That was the big thing. We wanted to see book, you know, go more vertical, more go. Then we didn't see that at all. Nope. Uh, and then you, you get going to these games. Not
2: till like, VOTEC, really.
0: Like, And here's, here's a great memory. It was like, I, I was it new Mexico. was it new Mexico where we had two of those little, basically shovel passes that went for, for huge. Yeah. Uh, I think had one. Davis had a big uh, ass. Yeah. Uh, Avery Davis had the a little, a little push pass. <clears throat> I mean, you have two-in-one game where Ian Book throws it two inches. (laughs) Like bombs. It was just kind of like the irony of it all, you know? Like, we need to go more vertical, and here's these little two-inch push passes that are getting us these these long-ass touchdowns. Yeah, Davis –
1: Davis had one that went for 59 yards. Uh, Fink had one the 54 yards.
0: So. Yeah, speaking of the that's right. Okay. Yeah. It had been, that had to been the same game as McKinley, wasn't it? Wasn't McKinley's McKinley
1: had one for yeah, that was but the But that, that was that, that was
0: a little out though. That wasn't a that wasn't a push that Correct. little push pass.
1: And then Lindsey had they had a bomb to Lindsay, which went forty eight yards through the air and, and it was a gain of fifty two.
0: And so. then and then that uh, that was also the same game Brendan Clark threw the touchdown to Lindsey, right? Or uh-huh. was that BG? I think that was pulling green. That yeah. might have be been I honestly, God, I confuse those games still. <laughs> like, yeah. I have to go, like, I'll think of it and, like, man, I got to, was this New Mexico or was it BG? Because <laughs> it, ba- it was basically the same game, right? Yeah. It do, was you great. Want
2: to, do you want to hear the most effective pass that you've heard all year, though?
0: Throw it to Chase Claypool? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's throw it to commercial break. Yeah. Uh, thanks, because we are now hour deep. Let's get the commercial in, so we'll be right back. And good call from Brendan on the. Uh, that commercial was so brand.
1: slick. That was so slick. I wish <laughs> i thought done myself.
0: That was the. This
1: that
2: the good. Ty Hildebrandt uh, method of. Uh, <laughs> all
0: together. All right, we got a few more here, so let's 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 keep it moving here. Uh, Jude, was there something that caught your eye this season? As a potential trend moving forward.
1: You know, uh, I got to give that one some more thought. Brendan. what do you think?
0: I think that the the
2: trend that I've sort of gathered going through going into 2020 is that we need to not distrust in Clark Lee and just accept the fact that he's going to figure things out because – Going into the 2019 season, there were a lot of questions, specifically up the middle. What, what were we going to do with the uh, replacing the heart and soul of the defense last year with Drew Tranquil and uh, Tavon or in, uh, Tavon, um, you know, in
0: um, Tony and, yeah. and, and Julian Love?
2: Well, and Julian Love um, trying to figure out what we were going to do up the middle with the loss of Jerry Tillery. And it was an it was a non-starter. Other than, I guess, the Michigan game, but I, I don't know if that was necessarily any of those pieces being missing. But
0: or maybe from, it was based based solely off of those pieces missing and not really Clark Lee. Yeah, I I mean, don't, I mean if you if you have Drew Tranquil, uh, Jerry Tillery, Tavon Coney, and Julian Love on the team up in Ann Arbor, oh. I I don't think it's I, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's I, verbally to say, a, and I think that that's that
2: leadership. Maybe that's a leadership thing. Yeah, that yeah, we that's get what, From, I mean, from Drew Tranquil. Oh, hey,
0: we we've been in these fights. Pull you out. I mean, those. those I mean, Drew Tranquil is uh, is Superman uh, on this podcast anyway. So he can do anything. Oh, um, third best number twenty three we've ever had. Um, <laughs> behind Kyron
1: Williams and who else? I'm sorry. No,
2: it's behind Autry Denson and it's behind uh, uh, Golden Tate. Is the uh, the holy trivente of uh, trivente. so he's the best
0: defensive twenty three. He's the best defensive. Is, is 23. what you want
2: to say? Okay. Yeah, I got a whole wall. I got of, a hard time ranking 23 three autographs. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can't. So we're gonna go into the twenty twenty season. and There's going to be some discussions about what we're going to do on the cornerback position, right? Um, because we're losing um Troy Pride Jr. Uh, we're losing both starting safeties in in the back end. And I suppose you could look at this and and have some concerns as far as what we're going to do with it. I don't. I don't know. I'm just throwing my hands back and I'm saying, you know what, Clark, we Clark, Wee, take the wheel. <laughs> take the wheel, Clark Lee. Take the wheel. Do what you need to do. I I, I have faith that he'll get the most out of his players. Um, that's what I've learned from this season is just not to to doubt the sort of Wundakin that we have at the defensive coordinator position that we. Managed to somehow through the the ashes of Mike Elko, who might not be what he turned out to be, that the real star was Clark Lee all along, right?
0: Could be. There's I a mean, case to be made. Every there,
1: time a defensive coordinator position opens up, I just hold my breath. Oh, you me know, t- me too. I th- there are some
2: there are some positions opened. Uh, up, I don't uh, think
0: it's defensive coordinator position that bothered that. It's head coach. It, it's the head coach. Right. Uh, Next I don't, year, I don't, the I don't, I don't think leave, job likely opening, I was going to say, yeah, I, I don't I think he like, leaves Notre Dame for another DC job in college. But, but there's definitely. I mean, he interviewed at BC, so there's definitely a, if a power five school comes calling, um, he's going to listen, and you can't blame him. I mean, that at all. Uh, you, didn't,
1: to, you didn't worry about LSU at that, all. That's
0: what scares. Me. What's that?
1: You didn't worry about LSU's DC position coming open. No,
0: okay. no, I didn't. Uh, no, I mean, it obviously caught my eye. Sure. Uh, but I wasn't. It wasn't like LSU's head coaching job came open.
2: It's um, Derek Mason that we have to worry about, and Derek Mason needs to Right, remain we should employed.
0: all um, huge Vanderbilt fans, which is hard because I don't like Derek Mason at all. But actually, but I love the Vanderbilt fan base. <laughs>
2: so, I like their mascot. He's got a fun hat.
0: <laughs> I I like the Vanderbilt fans. The uh, the SB Nation site. Um, we had a good time with them uh, a couple years ago. Uh, those are some quality dudes over there. So I wish I wish Vanderbilt all the love in the world because there's nothing better than watching Vanderbilt do well in the SEC.
2: Especially when it's smoking Jay
0: Cutler back there. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you get, get one figured out? A trend? Yeah, I, I
1: didn't think I didn't think of one. So okay. I encourage I encourage our listeners to tell me what was so obvious that i missed. So. OK, well,
0: I, I got one that's, that is obvious. Uh, the new trend is uh, Tommy Rees calling plays. Mm, um, love it definitely caught my eye uh, mainly because uh, th- there was a difference uh, in the play calling and and first though you got to lay it out there was a, not just were people worried because it would be Tommy Rees calling plays for the first time but they were really worried about Iowa State's defense and you know the fact their DC is pretty well thought of everyone has a lot of respect for them that's the defense that Clemson went and shared notes with over the offseason that was um you know that was widely talked about, and it, it kind of carved him up. I mean, Notre Dame did things defensively that helped out for sure. But you know, Tommy, you saw him a little more under center. You saw him wanting to run the ball, um, and so moving forward, that's a good trend. I I, I, I like the play calls. I can't remember of a there was a was it a flea flicker or a reverse pass that's. Was was some kind of trick play that seemed out of place um, that I d- didn't really care for. Um, but it, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary, right? I mean, as far as like, there's always going to be a game where you're going to scratch, you know, you're going to have a head scratcher. You do that in bowl games. Or, yeah. Or a couple plays that you're going to be like, man, what the hell they call this?
1: And I mean, Cole Komet attempted a passing in, in the citrus bowl against LSU in the rain. So, yeah.
0: yeah so uh, I just, So that's definitely a new trend. Tommy Collin plays. By the way, by the way, pretty sweet Tommy shirt on the site. Pick one up today. Uh, um, And so, uh, you know, I'm all for it. Jude, anything else come up in your head?
1: No, let's move on.
0: (laughs) I'll do that. Oh, what else? What what I have?
2: I have something that I off my chest that I'm afraid that I we just can't end this podcast or continue on without me getting this out there. So one of the the questions I asked was, is there a stat that you could point to that represents the entire season? So the 2019 season, is there a singular or maybe a combination of stats uh, in conjunction with one another that, that sort of represented 2019 and I found it, I found the stat and I I guess sort of the, the, the two stats that best, represent the 2019 season and they're are as follows notre dame finished the season 40 percent third down conversion rate the lowest third down conversion rate of the brian kelly era which when you think about this season it was the highest scoring offense of notre dame's history right it was the, it was the highest scoring um i guess if you want to go back uh, uh when we were playing 10 and 12 games or 10 and 11 games a season you could find um, I think, Jude, you, you 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 did the the due diligence on it. Right. But it it was the highest scoring season of the modern era. Um, and it was that 40% third down conversion rate that had people because drives would stall. And you'd see some three and outs and you'd see drives stall because Notre Dame wasn't very adapted converting third down. But where things got why they were the highest scoring team is it was of the Brian Kelly era. The most successful, 76.36% uh, percent red zone touchdown percentage. So when Notre Dame got the ball into the red zone over three-fourths the time they scored a touchdown, and it was also the highest just overall scoring percent It at it, um, 92%. And to put things into context, that 76% red zone touchdown rate, if you think about Last year, 2018, it was 61%. The best uh, offense of the Brian Kelly area. If, if I just say, hey, what was the best offense of the Brian Kelly area? Josh, what was it?
0: Probably 2015. 58%. Yeah. And that, I was going uh, to, while you were saying all that, I was just thinking, you know, I remember 2015 being a awful red zone year. The like Boston if, College if he would, game. Venus would have scored in the red zone. Yeah. The Boston uh, College been, game. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I know, not just this year, but last year, Notre Dame was really good in the red zone as well. Yeah. Two years in a row where uh, they're one of the best red zone teams in the country.
2: But even last year, they were 61%. They were a full 15% better in the red zone at scoring touchdowns this year, but it was that 40% red zone or uh third, third down. down conversion rate that just when you think of Notre Dame's offense this year a lot of people had trouble sort of reconciling well I know they scored a lot of points but the offense didn't feel like it was that great and it's because of that third down conversion rate that was just so brutal that when they got into the red zone they scored and that's one of the things about the Michigan game that really went off was they didn't get into the red zone a lot but when they did they scored touchdowns but guess what they failed a lot of third down conversions.
0: right yeah, and I think for me, one of the – and this is a this is simpler stat than that, is 17.9. It's the amount of points that Notre Dame gave up, which is very similar to what they did last year with all those guys we listed earlier. Coney, Tranquil, Tillery, yeah. Love. Uh, you know, I'll, and anytime you talk good, people will bring up the the crap teams that you played, like Bowling Green and New Mexico. Look, it is what it is. Uh, there are, There are plenty of t- – Every team across the country, all your stats are padded because of of dope games. It just it just happens. Um, but uh, but still, regardless of all that, it's still impressive. Uh, they had like the number two pass efficiency defense of the country. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of defensive stats that, that stand out to me. And really, what we said about about Jock and, and, and Drew Andrew White, how many tackles those guys between the two of them was outstanding. One hundred sixty. So, yeah, so it just it, that stands out to me. This Clark Lee. I mean, we cannot stress how much stress was going on in the spring about what the linebacker rotation was going to look like, and everyone had a thought, and everyone had a different different lineup. And we look back, it's like we all wasted a shitload of time because it didn't matter. Clark Lee had it in the bag and took care of it. So uh, that stood out for me because it just it just proved. Really, how good Clark Lee is, and then I'm not exactly sure what the um, oh, there's a great stat about third down or third quarter scoring too out there about Clark Lee. Notre Dame really, his adjustments at halftime were really excellent. Like teams at a rough time once he once he was able to take a few moments. That's one of the things
1: that I was always thinking throughout the throughout the season was. When people were freaking out, especially in like first, first and second quarters, um, <laughs> you know, when first it drive, was like, yeah, it was seven six against Boston College at one point. I think it was, and people were like, "This is why you know you can't get settle for field goals when touchdowns or whatever." Mm-hmm. I just I kept thinking if we get to halftime and the game is still close or there's still a lead, like Clark Lee, I have just Supreme confidence in Clark Lee's ability to adjust because that's how I I didn't I didn't know the stat but or whatever the stat is that's out there about third quarters but you could feel it you just knew that they came out of at a halftime like with their brains full of information yeah
2: so yeah that's I mean that's a good call (laughs) I mean you can't go wrong you can't go wrong with Clark Lee in anything I mean he's what a hire. And hopefully Tommy Reese sends up like that. Right. I mean, that's one of the things about promoting from within that sometimes it works out. And I mean, if, if Brian Kelly can find flight and can strike twice, right. It's if it's going to make all the difference and hopefully, yeah.
0: All right. So we're going to begin to wrap this up. So, uh, Brandon, starting with you first, just give me your, you know, your, uh, three sentence, kind of synopsis of the 2019 season like just kind of wrap it all up um uh with with just a i mean three is just the guideline (laughs) just kind of wrap it all up in in a a short paragraph
2: yeah i mean if i'm going to to put a bow on the 2019 season Alston's a good place to start because i think that the the defensive line's ability to absorb injuries is something that isn't going to necessarily show up in the stat sheet or be something that's discussed about from years on. But you have to consider that Notre Dame seasons 2014-2015 towards the end have been derailed by injuries. And Elston's ability to get the defensive line the depth built up with your, um, you know, even like an Ovia Gofu- and just right on uh, Isaiah Fosky putting in four games worth of meaningful minutes and seeing plays coming from a depth chart where your starting D end and Julian Aquara goes down and then his replacement and Hayes goes down, Dalen Hayes goes down, and there don't miss a beat. I don't think that that's something that can be forgotten. And I think that if we look at the 2017 season, they won 11 games and primarily that is based off of the depth that Brian Kelly has been able to build and that somebody like Mike Alston has been able to cultivate over that time, including, I mean, Jeff Quinn, um, you can do a whole podcast over uh, and Josh did a fantastic write up over the PFF rankings of the offensive line, but Notre Dame's entire, um left side of the or right side of the offensive line went down. And their
0: their two best offensive linemen their
2: two best offensive linemen really. went down. And did they lose a game since those two players went down? And the answer is no. So I think that if I'm looking at 2019, I'm thinking is of it as a season where Notre Dame was racked by in other seasons would have been disastrous. Uh, injuries, And they won 11 football games. And looking forward to 2020, 2021, 2022, I'm very excited for the future because finally Notre Dame has been able to establish depth and been able to establish um, a, a sense of um, I, I don't know the best word for it. Um, continuancy, um, the the next man in that Brian Kelly has always preached. Finally, at this point, is is coming to fruition, and I'm very excited about it. And that was more than three sentences.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jude, what do you got? Uh, we've talked about this
1: on previous podcasts, but I think in maybe ten years' time it'll be hard to remember what exactly transpired in the 2019 season. I could I could find I could easily see myself looking this up on Wikipedia and saying, Oh yeah, right, they won eleven games this year. This was a very weird eleven and two season. Are you um, saying
0: that as a, a forgettable?
1: Um it, I guess in some ways, yes, because yeah. Um, when you think when you when you look back on the season, you'll be hard pressed to remember who was on the schedule. You will remember the two people that they lost to. I don't think anyone can forget the first time down to Georgia and that game being played in primetime time in CBS and CBS and the whole deal, the pomp and circumstance that went with that. And I don't think anyone can forget the the ass whooping that that happened in Ann Arbor. So I think you'll you'll remember the two losses very um, well. But no one will remember beating uh, Navy by 32 points that ended up as a top 25 team. Or I the just Duke road win, right? I, I just I, I see this as a lot of uh, forgettable wins and two losses that will that will stick with you. So
0: it feels like a good Bob Davy year. You know what I mean? Like the on best the years where year. yeah, it feels like one of the be- the the better Bob Davy years. Uh, granted, with a couple more wins attached, but. It, it's to, it it kind of had that feel,
1: and and, and the, here's the thing that really worries me: next year could look exactly the same exact way. Next year could definitely be an 11, to, eleven and two season where they lose the two teams that every everyone wants them to beat, and they still are not climbing that hill. And it feels like almost a retread of the 2019 season. I I obviously don't root for that. I I you know who's and I have the much,
0: second who's the second loss other than don't Cousin? you
1: dare say Wisconsin.
0: OK, so moving on, because I because 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 I was ready to fight you, because if you were to say Wisconsin, I would I would make the argument that it would that SC would be. Yeah, is going to be a tougher game. Too. It's going to be a tougher game than Wisconsin next year. Brady Quinn I would know. agree with you. OK. Uh, what oh. I, OK, you hear that, everybody. Don't come down on me because you're freaking you're you're God, <laughs> Brady Quinn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he said he's, he Fantastic. he was posed the
2: same question, and he said oh, okay. uh, he he scoffed at the notion of Wisconsin, and he said uh, uh, USC was the infinitely more losable game, and that's and whatever let, you think. I of think USC people for
0: year. I think people because Notre Dame has to do it every year. I think people take for granted how difficult it is for the twelfth game to be on the Gold Coast, uh, re, whether it's Stanford or SC. And especially SC because it, that is your biggest rival. They, you know, up until just this year, uh, they recruit really well. They have players. They're still, look, regardless of it, everyone's going to be down on SC because of how shitty they they their recruiting cycle has been for them. But guess what? That's not really the case for their roster. They're still loaded uh, with talent uh, on both sides of the ball. And I, we saw it in 2018 they went out there uh, it was a tough season you're undefeated and here's this underperforming kind of mediocre-ish sc team that gave them all they could have it's a tough game uh so yeah i would i would say that uh sc at the end of the year uh is tougher than wisconsin um without jonathan taylor and without um, receiver yeah i can i can' think of his name but it's a it's a great name actually um but i I think there's some. Wisconsin has some issues to to, to fill in next year. Uh, where SC, I, I, that's just of all the things I said. I think that's going to be tougher. Do you disagree with that, Jude? I, I, now,
1: I, I now, I'm going to be honest now with now you. It's it's
0: right now three losses.
1: It's <laughs> next uh it's January twentieth. I don't know about the relative strengths of USC <laughs> versus Wisconsin, but I, I just I, I foresee this as. As another year in which uh, the mountaintop, you know we continue to, to ascend the mountain but don't actually find the summit. and the summit would be beating Clemson at home and taking care of Wisconsin in Lambeau field and taking care of USC on the road. I, those you're right. At, there's, there's no guarantees, um, but I, I very much feel like this could be an 11 and two Notre Dame team once again on the outside looking in for a near six Bowl game beating up on some crap team in the citrus bowl and um or you know or some decent team in the citrus bowl but not great team and uh and and having one of those like okay well it doesn't feel like we're ever going to get back to the playoffs again because we're going to keep running into these one or two teams that are highly ranked and we can't beat them. Brian Kelly can't beat them. So yes. I I I can't wait for this next year to be a prove me wrong year. I, I I'm very excited about. I mean, beating Clemson will do. Will beating Clemson at home will do for Notre Dame what what beating Notre Dame did for Clemson in 2015. I, I just believe it.
0: And for all the fans that that are up in arms about, um, you know, they get up in arms about you know not USC not playing Notre Dame in, in November um, in South Bend or you know the the thing about not getting an SEC school up there and. In November in, in in South Bend, we get Clemson in November in South Bend. Yes, sir. Granted, it's it's the first week in November, which could be, it, it could be anything. You know? you know, we can't predict uh, that far out. But generally speaking, uh, it's gonna be it, cold. It, it, I guarantee you, that's gonna be one of the night games. Jude, um, I just don't think there's any way you want
1: to you want to talk about temperatures in the first week in November. I can I can do this for you,
2: Jude. By the way, um next year's bowl new year six bowl schedule is the cotton bowl fiesta and peach for new year six which are all non-conference affiliated the rose and the sugar are going to the college football playoff next year so the bowl schedule is notre dame's oyster if it was if it was notre dame if that was the bowl schedule this year notre dame would be in a new year six they would have been playing in the peach bowl but next year next year is a thing of beauty as uh, Notre Dame can go 10 and two and they would go to a new year six, but uh, I would be and, no less disappointed. I mean, and,
0: and their, I mean, and their second loss may not be uh, something as ridiculous as the Michigan game, nor will the could the voters uh, like completely decide to bury them for the rest for half a season either. Right. I mean, that was, that was a huge, huge part of it. And any other, any other year, I, I still don't think, I, I think Notre Dame was unjustly punished. I don't care what anyone says, this just doesn't happen to other teams where they just keep winning like that against power five opponents and they don't move at all. Um, especially a team that was ranked in the top 10, they, they will generally move them back up winning games and blowouts at that. These weren't, these weren't like nail biters. Uh, it, it was something we did. I, I, there's nothing you could point to and say, well, they did it like this for someone cause it doesn't exist. Uh, they didn't just keep someone buried, um, after a big loss and, that was that was a big component of it but yeah the next year next year is a jude's absolutely right i mean who knows it's a big year
2: and I'm just not sure if I'm really ready to say that Kyle Hamilton is willing to go out on his Notre Dame career with four losses. I don't know if he's going to if he's going to have four losses in his Notre Dame career. Frankly, Jude, is, what, um, is he
0: going to go to the XFL after next year Then
2: I mean, I, I I'm just not. I'm failing to see how how wish Trevor Lawrence
1: should. would go to the XFL. Oh, I, mean, I
2: wish he would just go to the NFL, but that's. Uh, yeah,
0: that was a that
2: that was a good
1: bunch. Uh,
0: that, that was a good bunch. That's not Right. Great.
1: Uh, I just want, just because I I actually have this research and I I just want to share it. Uh, November 3rd, 2012, Pittsburgh at home. Temperature kickoff, 41 degrees. Uh, November fourth Yes. And it was a 340 kickoff, local kickoff. And uh, November 4th, 2017, Wake Forest at home, 340 kickoff, uh, 43 degrees. So imagine this is going to be a 730 game. So what, 5 to 10 degrees colder?
0: Yeah. Oh, it's going to be cold. The big question is going to be if Notre Dame makes both Stanford. You no, know, they, they, they like Stanford at night now too. Uh, you know, are they going to do two night games again ne- next year? It's not yeah.
1: well, How many night games do they have this year? One. Twenty seventeen. They did. Us. Uh, they did uh, multiple night games. Right. Right. Because it, yeah. it, it it tends to rotate. I think. It, I think I read that NBC gets. What is it? F- a five. Uh, four nights. Let's see. Three night games in two years. Right. Every two years. Right. So they get two in one year and one in two years And the second. 2018,
2: so be, 2018 was Michigan and Stanford, 2017 was Georgia and USC.
0: So with this year with them having the Shamrock Series though this year with Wisconsin, you got to think that's going to be a night game, right? I mean, it, it doesn't have to be, but i but it feels like it, right? Like so you can't have you can't have Wisconsin, Stanford and Clemson all on NBC in primetime. Right? True. That would be the that would be the three in one year rather than right. that be four in two years rather than the three and two years. So maybe Stanford goes back to being I, – I I would think they would want that Clemson game at night, one way or another. I yeah, think they're going to put it Dame, at night. I think Notre Dame and NBC – want, and between Wisconsin and Stanford, that's uh, which are back-to-back, by the way, um, I, I think that would be like the coin flip there. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Stanford's not going to be very good. Stanford's not going to be very good next year. Um, with their whole roster disappearing again, uh, so I mean, <laughs> I except for
0: Paulson, Paulson Adibo though comes back. Yeah, everyone leaves and, <laughs> instead of him going to the NFL, he's coming back. I, that so, does not make any sense to me at all. Other than is, that, other than that, what he said when while he was getting recruited that he wanted a Stanford education, he wasn't fucking lying. No, sure wasn't. So, no, Josh, but,
2: what are your final thoughts on the 2019 season? Uh...
0: There's I think I'm a lot in line with Jude uh, where a lot of it's forgettable, uh, but it was, it's hard to think about 2019 and the present where I think I'm going to have to see 2019 down the road. Like that's the way I'm going to judge it. Like, is this part of the build? Cause now we're, you no, know, now we're a year three of double digit wins. You know, if next year Notre Dame goes to the College Football Playoff, I could look back at 2019 a little more fondly as kind of like the build-up to, like you know, kind of like the step to. Um, but if Notre Dame has a a you know a ten and two nine and three season next year, I I think I'll look back at 2019 with a little more uh, you know venom. Uh, but it was I like a lot of the guys that were on this team. I, I it's. Chase Claypool was, was has been one of my favorites from day one because of the way he plays special teams, the way he the way he ended up developing into wide receiver. Um, it was special to watch him play football. Um, I, I, I really like that. Uh, Alohi Gilman uh, and you know another guy. So 2019 to me is just uh, it's most as a lot of guys uh, that'll look back on uh, more so than the season itself. Where you know I look I, like we said I look back and see the kind of the disappointing way it ended for, for Julian Acquara um, just kind of all in those realms. Um, I it really, I, I think I'll always remember just how pissed off I felt uh, for half a season about the disrespect. I mean, I, I just, I cannot, I, I can't fathom another team getting that same treatment that they got. That, you know, the Reese Davis treatment of you're 16 and we're just gonna keep you there. Blowout wins or not. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it never dawned on anybody that they just like literally you just, you had a bad night, get your ass handed to you, like that can't happen. Uh, but uh, so I think th- I'll remember that more than anything else. Um, if you look back, I'll just look back like yeah, this was a year where uh, they really fucked up in a game and then they cost them everything. Yeah,
2: I, mean, I can't argue with that at all.
0: So. Let's uh, let's truly wrap this up and, and uh you guys got any final, final shouts?
1: I have one. Uh I wanna give a special uh shout out, congratulations to Dalen Hayes and his now fiance, Jasmine. Uh looks like uh, according to Instagram, D Hayes D underscore Hayes underscore nine, uh Dalen proposed to his girlfriend and uh looks like she said yes. So they will be oh, uh, God they will be getting married. So um I don't know what the future Mrs. Hayes, if she's a unnamed student or uh, what she does, but uh, I think it's I think it's great that um, that he got engaged to his girlfriend and that she said yeah, <laughs> she said yes. So Followed congratulations to both of them.
2: Good for him. Congratulations. Congratulations. Absolutely, Brendan. What do you got? Oh, uh, I mean, I would be remiss. I mean, we started the podcast teasing it. But um, so if you if you guys are going to give me 10, 15 minutes, I want to break down what Felipe Franks truly means to <laughs> Notre Dame's outlook in the 2020 season uh, as an SEC starter uh, transferring to Arkansas.
1: I believe that he can. No. Do you know who Felipe Franks got uh, replaced by in the 2007, 2017, 2018, 17, Michigan game, Florida, Michigan game by?
2: Uh, yeah, Zaire? that would be uh, Malik Zaire.
1: Yeah, Malik Zaire, right?
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) Carry
0: on full circle. Yeah, no doubt. All right. And I just, I look, I want to thank everybody that, uh, that listened to that marathon. I thought that was, uh, that was surprising. I think to both, especially to Jude and I, uh, who I think we're almost in a solid year now of, uh, of taking over for, uh, for the Schweiger brothers, uh, doing the podcast stuff. And that, you know, you see all the data and that's, it was just shocking that, uh, that you hear the things, ah, you shouldn't be 45 minutes to an hour. Here we are busting out an hour, 50 minutes. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of good feedback from that. <laughs> I just thought that was cool. So again, I just want to remind everybody, Hey, you want to rate and review on Apple podcasts, um, do that. And, uh, any of the new reviews that come in, uh, we will read them. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, uh, At the end of the show, kind of like right here. And uh, so you can make them good, make them funny, make them harsh. It does not matter what they say as long as it's not hate speech or political drivel. And (laughs) we'll lay it out there for you. Um, Reminder, check us out on Twitter at One Foot Down. Facebook, there's a spot. um, There's a TikTok page uh, (laughs) that I am very proud of moving forward. Uh, Then, of course, on the site, OneFootDown.com. And uh, we got uh, some new writers over the last few weeks. Uh, that are putting out some good content and uh, we're just going to keep on, keep on keeping on. It's, it's a bad winter sports season. I mean, it's, it's there's not a whole lot of good news. Hockey's dipped down to like 21 and pair wise. Women's basketball is not having a good time. Uh, men's basketball just cannot get over that hump. And it's, it's not the prettiest of times. Um, and I wish, uh, wish it would be better, but <laughs> but we got spring football coming up here in a couple of months. Uh, so signing not day, not even, yeah, yeah, signing day, like the, the, the phantom <laughs> signing day. Uh, but we're just, we're gonna be here, uh, be here for you guys, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we can do more of what you want. So just let us know what that is, and uh, we'll try to uh, take care of that for you. So for Brendan and Jude, just want to say thanks again and go Irish,
1: go Irish,
2: go Irish.